0: Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, why doesn't it feel better? Do the Falcons bring back Carter and looking at the remaining Hawks schedule? It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to head to youtube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get all of your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire. Yes, you can find us on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at jmch316. Listen to this stat about the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, this is from StatMuse, who—that's a good source when you're looking at defensive ratings and you know sorting things out and in different things for the NFL, NBA. Major League Baseball, what have you. This is a tweet that they put out yesterday. The best defensive rating by a five-man lineup this season, a minimum of 300 minutes played together. Let me repeat that. The best defensive rating by a five-man lineup this season, minimum 300 minutes played. Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capello. Let me repeat that. The best defensive rating by a five-man lineup this season, minimum 300 minutes, Young, Murray, Hunter, Collins, Capello. So let's put a little context into this. So this is from my buddy Brad Roland over at Locked on Hawks. He says that there are 14 five-man lineups that have played at least 300 minutes this season together, okay? So not a crap ton, but not a bad sample size. Now, here's the question that I'll ask. Why doesn't it feel better? Why doesn't it feel like they've been the best five from a defensive rating standpoint when these guys are all together? Now, look, we've talked about it. Clint Capella's been a pretty good defensive player. You know, John Collins has improved defensively. DeJounte Murray is a good defensive player. So he was automatically going to lift your defensive rating up as a team. But why doesn't it feel better? You know, Hunter's, and maybe this isn't fair, but Hunter has not been a guy that's been a defensive standout. Now, to be fair, he's covering arguably, you know, your top score, So I I give him a little bit of leeway from that perspective, but Trey Young's not a really good defensive player. So that would drag you down. DeAndre Hunter's defensive rating isn't all that great. We talked about on the show that the only guy that has a worse defensive rating than DeAndre Hunter is Trey Young. So why doesn't it feel better? Look, I've said many times on this show, Their starting five can play with anybody. Well, the numbers bear it out. We know that they're a really good offensive team when that starting five is together. Oh, by the way, John Collins may not play on Friday. Gee, shocking, right? You know, he's got the concussion issues and protocols and all that kind of stuff when they get back and they play the Cavaliers. And we'll talk about the schedule here in a little bit. But we know that they are a really good offensive team when these guys are together, right? Right. When they have their starting five, they can play with anybody. They're a good offensive team. Why does it not feel like that they're still a good defensive team? You know, the debacle, and and maybe it's recency bias from the standpoint of the debacle in Charlotte, where they give up 144 points, a season high, and then they come back and give up 122 to the Knicks on that Wednesday night. Heading into the All-Star game, and, and then, you know, teams are scoring 23 pointers against them. And, you know, the Knicks had 62 points, I believe it was, in the first half of their game. Charlotte had, I think it was 77 points in the first half. So in your final two games before the All-Star break, you've given up 266 points. And there feels like that there's a lot of those nights that are out there. Maybe it's just league wide. Maybe the league is not as good defensively as what it was in decades past. Maybe teams are not built to be good defensive teams. They're good to, they're they're built to be good offensive teams, right? A lot of three point shooting, a lot of scoring in the league. You know, Giannis is a thirty point scorer. Guys are thirty point scores in this league, but it certainly doesn't feel like it. And even if it's only 14 teams that you're comparing against, it seems hard to believe that the Hawks are the best defensive five that you can find among 14 teams that have played 300. And I'm not I'm even amazed that they've played 300 minutes together, given all of the injuries, given Hunter's injuries, Capella's injuries, Collins' injuries, DeAndre Hunter's injuries. I'm amazed that they even qualify for that number. But it doesn't feel like that this group has been a good defensive unit. I think DeJounte Murray has been a real spark on defense. And it's why I've talked about it. he's the MVP of this team. And Brad Rowland, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, he said Clint Capella. Okay, that's two defensive-minded guys. That That's two guys who played, who played the best defense for the Atlanta Hawks, right? So it's not coincidence that we we look at the value for this Hawks team of defense. Yeah, Trey Young's the best player. Yeah, he's the best scorer. Yada, 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 yada. Trey Young doesn't play any defense though. And, and that's why we look at when we talk about most valuable player, I said Hunter, Brad Rowland said uh, Clint Capella, and I can understand that. I, I I understand both of those guys because their value is on both ends of the floor. But Collins has improved, but is Collins a defensive stopper? DeAndre Hunter hasn't lived up to, I mean, let's face it. DeAndre Hunter was the best on-ball defensive player coming out of college. I I don't know if there was a defensive player of the ward in college basketball, but he was the best defensive player in college basketball coming out of Virginia. He was the best on-ball defender. Everybody acknowledged it. Why hasn't it translated? And then you would think that with Trey Young pulling the defensive rating down, that this team would, would certainly not be considered the best five. But it, it says a lot that, again, the the underachieving nature of this franchise is just maddening. They're really good offensively. The, the stat on there is that they're the best defensive five among 14 teams. It's just maddening. what we said all year long, it's maddening what the Atlanta Hawks really are. They should be better than what their numbers belie, and their starting five can play with anybody in the league. All right, let's talk about my friends over at FanDuel. Listen, we're through the all-star break. We're headed down the home stretch for the NBA season. FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and it's time to download it today. So get in on the action. Hit the No Sweat First Bet where you can win as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel is a safe, secure, easy-to-use app. You can bet on everything from money lines to point spreads to prop bets. Everything is available to you. And FanDuel even lets you combine bets for a bigger chance to win with the same game parlay. So don't miss out on your chance. Hit the No Sweat First Bet where you can win as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't lose, when you download fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanDuel.com slash L O C K E D O N. Learn more. Get in on the action with your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book betting partner of the NBA. And besides making Hit and Hard with John Truck for your first listen every day, make sure you make Locked On Sports Today, your second listen, biggest stories of the day, instant reactions. Big game recaps and the take of the day available Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get all of your favorite podcasts from. So yesterday we saw from the Atlanta Falcons that they voided um Lorenzo Carter's contract. So now essentially he's a free agent, right? He's he's available to be on the open marketplace. Should the Atlanta Falcons re-sign Lorenzo Carter? You know, Carter did some decent things last year for this team, right? He had four sacks. He had the interception for a touchdown, right? You know, he started all 17 games last year. He did some good things for this team. And basically he cost you three and a half million dollars for his production, okay? If I could get Lorenzo Carter back for about the same number, you know, three and a half, four million dollars, on a one-year deal, I'll do that. But here's the only thing, though, okay? I like Lorenzo Carter. He did some nice things for this team. He can't start 17 games for you this year. Now, injury or something like that creeps up, but he can't start 17 games. It's got to be Katie on one side and a number one draft pick on the other side. That's what this has to be, that we, we keep monkeying around and tinkering around and futzing around with what our defensive line is. It's Katie on one side, a a high draft pick, a first round draft pick on the other side. That has to be your starting two on the outside. I like Lorenzo Carter. I'll bring him back. I'll put him in the rotation. You're always going to rotate your defensive line guys around, right? Unlike your offensive line. Those guys are going to rotate in and out, and look, guys are going to get nicked up, dinged up, things like that. Okay, he can be a he can be a um, uh, a capable starter if he gets in there. But if I bring him back, and and I'm not paying him any long term deal, I, I saw something that said three years at fifteen million. Why would I sell Lorenzo Carter for three years at fifteen million dollars? Like, if that's his market value, pff, out of here, buy, see you, load, you know, hasta lasagna, don't get any on you. But if I can get him back for a year on a prove-it deal and at the same kind of money, again, 3 and a half to $4 million, I'll bump it up to $4 million, you know, because we've got all this cap space available to us now, right? But he can't start 17 games for you this year. And while I like his production, you know, again, Four sacks, that's second on the team, I believe, next to Grady, you know, and he had some big moments in some games, right? You know, the touchdown, the interception for the touchdown, a couple of late game sacks where he kind of helped seal the deal. Him and Grady had some, some moments late in games. I'm not opposed to bringing him back. What I am opposed to, though, is the idea that he starts 17 games and And while we keep trying to figure out what we're gonna be in life, you know we're not sure about what we are. we're 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 cornerbacks and unicorns and wide receivers and outside guys that don't produce and things like that, and you know all this other Michigan stuff when you know we gotta get great right by the football. When the football's put down on the ground, we gotta get great right there, right the The closer to the football, your players are great. The better your franchise will be so i'm not opposed to having lorenzo carter back on this squad i think he's a good veteran presence he can play he's capable but starting 17 games for this team can't happen this year and and again it's it's got to be eva katie who look didn't barely start last year okay you got to start him and turn him loose for 17 games and then, again, I'm taking the eighth pick, and I'm finding my edge player. What, whatever the name is on the back of the jersey. Tyree Wilson, if he's available, he's probably not going to be there at eight. Miles Murphy, whatever. Whatever. I don't, I don't care what the name is on the back of the jersey. They have to stand at that one defensive end, outside linebacker spot, whatever it is, edge player position. that They got a beeline for the quarterback. Here's what they got to do whoop like this, right? Like this, a beeline for the quarterback and go get him. But Carter's not a bad player. You know, I I think he'll have some value on the free agent market. I, I think that he's a guy that if you're looking for a rotational guy who can sub in, who can also start. And maybe Carter's not just a maybe Carter probably isn't for most teams, probably a. 17 game starter. Just given the nature of the league, you know, you you want to have two guys that can wreak havoc on quarterbacks, right? Like you you want to have not just one guy. You 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 want Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, right? You want a duo like that. You, you you want to have multiple guys that can get to the quarterback from the outside and put lots of pressure on, and then you free up guys in the middle, right? So I'll I'll bring back Carter, gotta be right for the money. And by the way, you know, the tag window is officially open, which again, they're talking Caleb McGarry and that's $18 million. Not bringing Caleb McGarry back for $18 million. But I will bring back Lorenzo Carter. If it's a team-friendly deal and it's a one-year kind of show-me deal and it's about the same money not paying him 5 6 7 million dollars to do what he's got to do because he's going to be a rotational player on this team and i'll make that rule clear to him would love to have you back you're going to make about the same money you're not going to play the same amount of time i think he played like 75% of the snaps for this team you're not going to play the same number of snaps not going to play the same percentage and you're certainly not going to start 17 games if we're willing to have that honest conversation where we line up two guys on the outside that go get the quarterback, then I'll bring him back for team-friendly money and a good deal. All right, besides making hitting hard with John Trucker your first listen every day, make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. It's the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get all of your podcasts from. So let's look at the Hawks remaining schedule. 23 games left in the season. So, as it kind of breaks down, you got a couple of games at home against Cleveland. That'll start Friday night. First game back will be Friday night home with Cleveland. Got a couple of games at home against Cleveland. Well, they're one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. You got a home and home with Boston, all right? They're the best team and the either them, it's flip a coin. Either they're the best team or Milwaukee's the best team. So the good news is you don't play Milwaukee but you got home and home with, uh, with Boston. You've got four games against Washington, who's literally right on your tail. They're right on your coattails. You got a couple at home, couple on the road. The road series is one of those things where you play one night on the road, take a day off, then play them right back again on the road. So two games in a row that you play them in their building. So you've got a, a, a couple with Brooklyn. You've got a couple at Miami, where you, again you do that one game against Miami, day off, game again against Miami. Then you've got some Western Conference teams in this mix: Portland, Golden State, Dallas, Minnesota, Memphis. All those teams are at home. Okay. Uh, then you go all, to the West Coast. The or I should say the Western Conference. The two teams that you got to play yet are San Antonio and Minnesota. Okay, so that's two very winnable games right there. And then you get a mix of at home, three total games where once against Philly, once against Indiana, and then the dreadful, literally the worst team in the NBA, or, or at least in the Eastern Conference, Detroit Pistons, who, by the way, you're 3-0 against the Pistons. 1-3 and and one, in, one in three against the Charlotte Hornets, but 3-0 against the Detroit Pistons. And then you have a game against Chicago. So... Of the 23 games left, I think it's 14 at home that you have. Can the Hawks go at least 13 and 10? Look, at this point, when you look at where the standings are, okay? So as we sit here today and we get ready for the second half of the season, Hawks are in the number eight spot. They are three games out of the sixth spot, and they're three and a half games, or sorry, three and a half, Three games out of the seven spot, three and a half games out of the sixth spot. But the Wizards, who are ninth, are only a half a game out of the Hawks. And the Raptors, who we don't play down the stretch here, they are one game behind the Hawks. So you've got teams that are fairly close to you, right in front of you. But you've got two teams that are nipping right on your heels that, look, These games against Washington are going to be big. This is not an easy stretch. You know, Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn, Washington, at Miami, Golden State, Memphis, Dallas, you know, Philadelphia, Indiana, at Chicago. This is not an easy 23-game stretch. And given the fact that the Hawks are, you know, wildly inconsistent. Their their only thing that's consistent is their inconsistency. Hawks are only 15 and 12 at home. That's been a disappointment. 14 and 18 on the road this year. 17 and 19 in the conference. Can the Hawks go 13 and 10 down this stretch and find themselves at the end of the day a couple of games above 500, because right now, obviously, the Hawks are sitting at twenty-nine and thirty, so they're not even five hundred yet. Can they get thirteen and ten and get a couple of games above five hundred? That will probably get you eight or nine in the in the seeding. Right now, the benefit of having the eight seed, either the seven or the eight seed, I'm I'm not even counting on the six seed at this point because it's 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 unrealistic to say that. Oh well, they they can go 15 and 8 in their last 23. What tells you that the Hawks are going to do that? Like, there's nothing about the Atlanta Hawks that has said that they can go on this kind of run. Do they have the personnel and the pieces and all this kind of stuff? Yeah. And again, maybe John Collins doesn't play Friday night. Already talking about injuries and things like that. But if they can go 13 and 10, get a couple of games above 500, they probably stay in that seven to eight range why is that better than the 9 10 it's all play in tournament well again the way the play in tournament works is if you're the 7 8 seed you win one of the you win that game when this when the 7 and 8 seed play one another when you win that game you're automatically the 7 seed come the first round of the actual playoffs okay When you're the 9-10 seed, you've got to win two games just to get into. So you got to win the 9-10 seeded game, and then you play the loser of the 7-8 seed, and that gets you the 8 seed. That's what the Hawks did last year. That's how they got the 8 seed, right? So at least you only have to win one play-in game. And if you win it, you can, and again, at, at the end of the day, Look, either Milwaukee or Boston, both of those teams are going to be the one-two seed, right? We we expect fully that Boston or Milwaukee are going to be the one-two seed in the Eastern Conference. Neither one of those teams is a good matchup for the Hawks. I don't care if the Hawks end up with the seven seed, the eight seed. When it's all said and done, neither one of those teams is a good matchup. And, and frankly, I don't think the Hawks get past winning winning a series against either one of those teams. Milwaukee's been outstanding. They got Holiday. Middleton's been back. They've been on a big roll, right? Boston's the deepest team in the NBA. They've got two, you know, outs. I mean, look, Jason Tatum has had an outstanding year for them. I don't see how the Hawks match up very well with either one of those teams. And and you can miss me with the whole. Well, well, roll the dice. Anything can happen. We know how this is going to end. But at least if you can get to the seven, eight seed. You you can only have to win one play-in game. And then if you even lose that first game, you still have a shot to make it up from there. So if the Hawks can go 13 and 10, I think they can find themselves in the play-in. And I'll put them two games above 500, which right now when you look, you know, the Hawks are sitting at 29 and 30. The Wizards are 28 and 30. Um, The Miami Heat are five games above 500. So they're 32 and 27 right now. So that will probably keep you in that same kind of range over the Wizards, over the Raptors and things like that. Yeah, the expectations are low because again, I've not seen it out of this team. I I can't sit here and tell you that they have a 15 and eight in them, a 16 and seven in them. They have done nothing to this point, to take advantage of what their schedule is. They didn't do it when they had those 19 games at the end of the calendar year. They, they, didn't, they didn't take advantage of any point of their schedule this season. So why would I believe now when it's Cleveland, Boston, Brooklyn, Washington, Miami, Golden State, Philly? Like, why would I expect them to take advantage of the schedule now? Why, why would I expect them to all of a sudden just – Flip that magic switch. All the same issues are there coaching, players, heart, whatever. All the same issues are there. Why would I expect them to flip this thing on and all of a sudden set the NBA on fire? Do they have the capability to be a 15 and eight run? Maybe, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that they're a 15 and eight or 14 and nine. Just be 13 and 10 down the stretch and Take it for what it is. You know, that's probably your lot in life. That's probably where, you know, if you can, again, be in that seven to eight seed range. That's all I'm factoring on. This idea of, well, we can get to six and we're only three games back. Okay, they're they're, they're three games back. It might as well be 100 games back. I mean, based upon what this team has done, based upon the fact that they can't get on a run, based upon the fact that they've stunk it up all year... None of, this is, none of this is a realistic scenario. All the same issues are there. Nate McMillan's going to coach out the year. They're not firing Nate McMillan, bringing in a, an assistant coach. They're, they're not changing up anything. Your roster is what your roster is. Banged up, beat up, whatever. So 13 and 10 to me is that target number. 13 and 10, and that should get you either a 7 or 8 seed in the playoffs, and then we'll roll the dice from there. And we'll see what happens. You know, it's not a good place to be. You know, my buddy Sam Mitchell used to always talk about the worst place you can be is in that seven to eight range because you're just good enough to get in the playoffs, but you're not really in title contention. You're not really at the top of the elite teams and you're not really in a spot to get yourself over the hump. Being in that seven to eight spot really is no man's land. When it comes to the draft, when it comes to the franchise, when it comes to what your lot in life is, it's not a place to be. So again, hopefully it's a 13 and 10 stretch. If it's better, awesome. We'll be we'll be on board and we'll take everything over 13 and 10. But if it's 10 and 13 or something like that, there's a definite chance that the Hawks may not even make it to the play-in round. And and that would be, again, given the fact that you know the Bulls, Pacers, Magic, Hornets, and Pistons aren't in the play-in round, I I would think that it would pretty much be a lock that we should be a play-in team. It's just a matter of seven, eight, nine, ten. Where do we fall with all of that? I right, would well, thank you so much for making hitting hard with John Trucker. When you first listen every day, make sure you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. Biggest stories of the day. Instant Reaction, Big Game Recaps, and The Take of the Day, available Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast from. We ask it ahead to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you get there, hit that subscribe button. Trying to grow to 6,000 folks on our YouTube page. Pretty remarkable that it's been less than a year that we've been around. So climbing towards 6,000 every day. Be a part of our ever-growing community We are free and available to download on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get all of your favorites. Roku and Amazon Fire. Check us out on those platforms as well. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta.